Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. New Grace exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media, at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. Let's, let's move quickly. We're in our series, I Love, and we're going to launch at a 1 John 3, and then we're going to land quickly in 1 Corinthians 12, and um, I, got, I, got a, I got a cool thought today, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to help me, and I want you to help me by praying for me right now while you're sitting there, and uh, ask the Lord to let his boldness just flow right out. I won't, I, 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 listen, you're, you're not going to find many other preachers that have as good of a time doing this as I do. I have a great time preaching. This ought to be the funnest part of your week. But I, I'm asking the Holy Spirit right now just to give me a, a boldness and a forwardness that crawls into your living room. I, I, I do. I want, I want this to stick to you like glue, and I want, I want you to be confronted with change. I just said a cuss word up in church. I said change. <laughs> and I could think, you, you stand in front of some congregations and say that word, they'll wilt like a flower. You start monkeying with their bylaws or their traditions or their budget, my God, you'll, me- you'll, mess, with their, you'll mess with their idols. God's people are constantly changing. Somebody talk to me. God's people are constantly changing. So I I want us to embrace this this change in the way we love. Now, last week we talked about I love my city, 1 John chapter 3. Look at it on the screen. Notice what John said. He said, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. Talk is cheap. But when we love, let's love in deed and in truth. Today, let's talk about another channel in which love was meant to flow from our life. I love my church. I love my, my God. Let me try that again. I love my church. I remember in high school, we had a week called um, Spirit Week. And it's where everybody, everybody wore their school colors and painted their face all up and looked crazy. And uh, everybody was, was to radiate their school pride. Can I submit to you that every week ought to be Spirit Week at New Grace? Not just Sunday morning, once a week. Like every day of the week, you and I ought to just let that, let that channel be wide open. And the love that we have for our city, the love we have for our church, my God, it ought to, it ought to flow and it ought to show. I saw way too many cars up in the parking lot this morning that did not have New Grace decals. What's up with that? Is it because you know you're going to give somebody the bird coming off a ramp? What's up with it? Is that what it is? Maybe, maybe it'll help you dial that finger down by putting that thing on your car. Y'all got to represent. You got to represent. You know, you know, Facebook is a powerful tool. Now, we see people all the time wield it like a weapon, but it's a powerful tool. And, you know, we're real quick. We're real quick to share some political agenda 
or, or, or share some rant and rave or, or, or post some life hack that we saw on YouTube. Can you, can you imagine if we all started leveraging the power of an online presence to represent loud and proud the church that we're a part of and the church that's a part of our life? I, you know what? In fact, this afternoon, I, I, I believe on our Facebook page, we're, we're posting a little it's a frame that goes on your profile picture that says, I love my church. Now, I don't even know how to put that junk on there, so I'm going to get my wife to do it for me. But you can take your little profile picture and put an I love my church thing, little cute, little cute thing on your, on your profile picture so you can represent online. Like, we, we ought to have that kind of mentality. Now, those things I'm talking about, look, that, that's just garnish, right? That's decor. That's, that's, just, that's just you adding to and representing. But... I think the real love that God intends to see flow in a believer's life for the church is a love that's rooted more in deed rather than word. Anybody can say, I love, I love my church, but, but, but what, what about when love takes on the form of action? You know, God's crazy about the church. And we have got to wipe from existence in our mind, what we think of when we hear the word church. This, this has been said so many times over the years, and I don't want to assume that everybody in this room has heard this before, but the church is not steeples and stained glass windows. The church is not concrete floors and screens and stages and lights. That's not the church. The, the church is people. People that have rooted their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven, the only means to find forgiveness, and the only way to have a relationship with God the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the church. The church is not a Catholic cathedral. The church is not a building owned by Jehovah's Witness. The church doesn't have Baptists on the sign. The church isn't sitting in downtown or this shopping center. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. The church is going to Walmart today. The church is pumping gas at Quick Trip today. The church is waiting in line at Outback today. The church is in this room and I to walk out of this room with something from another world that we can share a truth and a reality that in 2021, Jesus is still the way. Jesus is still the life and Jesus is still the truth and they ain't gonna get it by osmosis. They gonna get it because we are the church. I wish somebody helped me preach this thing. When I say I love my church, I'm, I'm talking about something I believe in. I'm talking about something that is theologically sound and right. I'm, talk, I'm talking about something that God is crazy about. I know what we mean, and I've said it. I'm probably worse than anybody else in the room. I know what we mean when we say, I don't like church or church people. I know what we mean when we say that. In fact, I love being at the gym, striking up a conversation, and then someone finally realizes after six weeks that I'm a pastor. <laughs> after they done dropped the F-bomb 75 times over the last six weeks, and then they find out, somebody's like, hey, Pastor Derek, and they're like, I, I, love, I love creating a plane of relatability. And they're like, you're, 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 a, you're a priest, a pastor, not priest, a pastor. You're a pastor? You, you, don't, you don't act like a pastor. 
You, you, you just, and, and I love, I love it when that door swings wide open and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, I ain't religious. I can't stand religion. And they're like, but you said you was a pastor. And I've said it before. I, 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 I didn't give up on God. I gave up on the church. I know what we mean when we say that, but to be fair, we couldn't more misrepresent what God intended for the church to be when we dropped that word church in those statements. Because God loves the church. And his people ought to love the church too. And, and I, I think the reason many of us don't have a genuine love for his church, here we go, for our churches, because I don't think most of us know what the church is. We've picked it up and breathed it in like secondhand smoke. We don't know what the church really is. And Paul, I, you know, a lot of times I'm preaching out of Paul because God used him to clarify and clear up so many shrouded things. And, and, and people, people don't understand that God went out of his way to help you and I understand Scripture. So a lot of times when God was presenting a truth, what he did was he presented it as an illustrative analogy. And he actually does that with the church. And, and I can think of several. I'll give you three real quickly, and I'll preach on the last one. We'll, we'll cut to the chase. I'll preach on the last one. But he presents the church in three ways. He likens it or compares it to three things. It's described as a building. The church is like a building. It is. And Ephesians chapter 2, you can actually see where it was described like a building. Christ is the cornerstone, the main part of the foundation. The apostles and prophets are the rest of the foundation. And then the last 2,000 years, God's been taking people and using them to be the framework of the church. And the church is where God dwells on this planet. Through us, God has embodied himself in the form of his people to, to further the plan of redemption to all nations. That's what God's done. The church is like a building. The church is also like a bride. It is. In Ephesians chapter 5, he takes the marriage between a man and a woman, and he creates this real cool picture about how Christ and the church are in this union one with another. Christ is the head of the church, and the church is subject to his leadership, and, and Christ and the church become one, and they're inseparable, and there's an amazing transaction that happens when Christ and the church come together like the husband and the wife come together. But what I want to do, because I think, I think if you saw the church the way it was intended to be seen, I think, I think your love for the church, here we go, I think your love for new grace would flow the way God wanted it to flow. It's hard to love something when you don't know what it is. And a lot of times we throw that word love around so loosely. You remember being 16? Slamming the door on your parents and going, you don't understand me, I love him. <laughs> remember that? In your mind, it was genuine, right? I, I mean, at, at that age, that was love to you. You felt love. But how many, how many of y'all know you don't know what love is until it's been tested? You think you know what love is? I got pure love. What you just told me, if you got pure love, means your love's been purified, meaning it's been tested. I, there's some couples up in this room. Your marriage has been through hell, and you're still together because the cord of love has not yet been severed. Your love has held you together. Am I preaching to anybody? 
Come on, holler at your boy, gentlemen. I'm trying to give you props right there. And so it is with the love we have for God's church. I remember when I first trusted Christ and became a part of the church, I had a honeymoon love. You know, first year and a half, man, it was just, it was all just puppy love and honeymoon love. And, and after a while, that love got put to the test. Can I say this? People will put your love to the test in church, right? That's why we write the whole thing off altogether, because people are stupid. People are dumb. They're ignorant. Ignorant. They are. They're ignorant. And we'll be like, the heck with this. If that's how God is and that's how God's people are, they're all like that. And we write the whole tree off because of one rotten apple with a worm in it. My love and passion to be involved with God's church has only deepened in 20 years. I'm 38 years old, but I'm 20 years old in my walk with God. 18 is when I met him, was introduced to him, when I became a part of his church at Salvation. And there's been frustrating seasons, but my love for the church has deepened. My, my knowledge, my, my, my desire for knowledge, like I want to know truth. I, I, I got to a point where I, it wasn't enough to eat out of some preacher's hand. If you're not careful, you'll spend all your Christianity eating out of somebody's hand. And I got to a point where I'm like, hey, Joker, put that on my plate. I'll take it home and bless God, I'll cut it up. I'll chew up the meat and spit out the bones. I'll get to where I'll feed myself. I'll bake my own bread. Me and Ashley went to Cracker Barrel last night. I'm going to tell you something. I looked around that restaurant. I didn't see one grown man getting spoon-fed by his wife. Why is it that our churches in America are filled with grown men depending on another grown man to feed them across the table? What, uh, happy day in your life when you get to the point where you will bake your own bread. You will barbecue your own ribs. You will flip your own steak. You will cut it up yourself. You will take it home and dissect it and then digest it because it means something to you to grow. You can't ride my coattails. I don't know if you notice there ain't no room for you right here. You can't be living in somebody else's shadow your whole life. You got to get to a point like Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But he said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's Time for the church of God to grow up, scoot up to the table, take that bib off, lose that diaper, and grow up. That ain't going to sell no book. That ain't going to get you on TBN. That ain't going to get 45 shares on Facebook, but it's true. Churches are full of men women who have been trusting Christ for 10 and 20 years, but you still got a bib and you still depend on Gerber. Perhaps we don't really know the responsibility in the relationship with the church. Because we spent the last hundred years, along with the, with, with the fallacy of the American dream, ruining what God intended the church to be. So we've got this consumer mentality. This ain't Tanger. You ain't shopping up over here. This ain't no window display. 
This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a clash of kingdoms going on right now in this room. There is a war that is unfolding all around us. And you and I have been plucked out of the darkness, out of the death of our sin and hell. And God has baptized, immersed, and placed us into the body of Christ. You see what I said right there? I just used I just used some terminology that we throw around all over the place, but we don't even know what we're saying when we say it. I just said the body of Christ. I'm gonna be honest, man. The church I grew up in, they didn't do a good job. Not grew up in. When I, when I say look, when I say grow up, sometimes I'm talking about at the age of 18 when I trusted Christ. I grew up in that. They didn't do a good job of pausing and saying, "This is what what I just said. This is what that means." So the whole time I'm hearing phrases like the body of Christ, I'm thinking about him bleeding on a cross, his body. You're a part of the body. I didn't understand that he lived 33 and a half years in his body, and he spent the last 2,000 years finishing what he started in this body. So when he, see, I told you, when you understand that it's an illustrative analogy, oh, so the church is like a building. The church is like a bride. The church is like a body. There's actually scripture on this. Paul, Paul said it like this. Look, look he said, go, go to chapter 12. Go right there where we started. For as the body is one. He's talking about your body, all right? You got one body and hath many members. When you see the word members, just put the word parts. You got a whole lot of parts to your body, right? You got a lot of members. All the members of that one body being many are one body. In the same way, your body's made up of a whole lot of members or parts. That's the way Christ is right now. Christ is made up on this planet. He's made up of all his parts. Keep going. For by one spirit are we all baptized. That's not talking about water baptism. I don't have time to get into all the baptisms, but, but that's talking, that word baptism just means to be placed in or immersed in. So what he did was, I just said it a while ago when I was preaching. See, I was preaching hot and y'all didn't hear it. Y'all just like, hey, hey, he's getting excited. I am too. I said, God plucked you out and placed you in. That's what that means. You got baptized into one body. It don't matter if you're a Jew and the next word means not a Jew. Whether we're bond or free, we're all partaken. We're all hooked up, connected to, drinking, he uses. One spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Well, that makes sense, all right? Our body has a whole lot of different parts. Does that make sense? He says the church is like a body made up of a whole lot of different parts. And you need to understand that you are a part of the body. Now listen, I'm, I'm preaching, I'm, I'm preaching, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do my job and pastor. And that means I'm trying to preach to Christian understanding. So if you're in this room and you've never trusted Christ in your entire life, you need to be a part of what I'm about to tell you. But my aim my aim right now is that every man in this woman, whether it's been six days or 60 years, that is a believer, 
that every member, every member of the church, every member fits into the body. You fit. Look what Paul said. He said, if the foot says, I'm not the hand. Because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Paul says, is it not a part of the body? And if the ear says, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body. He says, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body was an eye, how the heck would it hear? If the whole body was an ear, how's it going to smell? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Ladies and gentlemen, it is God who sets or places people in the body. And he sets them in the body with this intentionality. Members are placed. I wrote this down. God told me to tell you this. Members are placed based on what pleases God, not on what pleases you. Not on what pleases somebody else. God fits you into the body based on what pleases him. Therefore, I wrote this down. Do not evaluate whether or not you fit based on another member's role. We do that a lot. What he's talking about, we do that. We go, I'm not a hand. I'm down here smothered in this sock, covered up by a shoe. Don't nobody see me. I painted my nails and nobody can tell. But the hand's getting all the glory. We see his painted nail, her painted nails. We see all that. We see the grip. We see the wave. We see the high five. The hand gets all this glory and recognition. And here I am down here doing nothing but support. Paul says, just because you're not like another member doesn't mean you don't have any fit. I got to ask y'all a question. Has the devil told you you don't fit here? Because you've been letting your eyes watch somebody else's life and you think you don't measure up like them. You don't have what they have. You're not as seasoned as they are, as equipped as they are, as, here we, here's a lie, as spiritual as they are. <laughs> I, I trusted Christ and I was sitting in that church. I remember looking around that room going, I'm the only person right now that struggles with lust. I'm the only one that cussed this week. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the only one that wants to get out of here. I'm the, I'm the only one. Have you ever heard that phrase? You're the only one. He doesn't want you to figure out you fit. And I want to tell you something. Every, every Christian in this room, you were designed and meant to fit into this church. You think it's an accident you got here? You think a divine, sovereign God just let you accidentally wander on this property? You're supposed to be here. You fit here. You belong here. You connect here like jam, jelly, and peanut butter. You fit here, baby. I got to move quickly. You're a member that fits to the body. You're also a member that feels within the body. Paul said down in verse 25, he said, there shouldn't be any schism in the body. That word schism means a rent, a tear, a crack, a gap, a split. In other words, there shouldn't be any division in the body. But instead, the members should have same care one for another. That word care means that they actually look after one another. You, you, you should have a relationship with the rest of the church where 
there is a resonation in your sensory and perception of other people. That's why he said the next verse, 26. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. I stepped on a nail years ago at my parents' house. I was coming around the side of the house. And I, and I graduated from a brisk walk to a quick jog. I didn't see that piece of wood with a nail sticking up out of it. And I, my foot landed up on that thing, and it went right up into my foot. And my hands balled up into a fist. My eyes clenched shut. My spine doubled over in agony. My knee pulled up to lift my foot from the ground. And I think my tongue might have said something that didn't sound like praise God. <laughs> my foot was primarily affected. But the rest of the body felt what my foot was feeling. When one member suffers, oh, come on, somebody help me. I could not, I couldn't, I couldn't relate to the people that were going through COVID until I was hooked up to oxygen. And my, 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 my sensory system went in overdrive when it happened to me. And then I, I started doing stuff that I never did, and I started reaching out to people that I never reached out to. And, and, and me, me and Miss Heather, we were texting buddies because she was, she was hooked up in the hospital trying to stay alive, and I brought her home trying to stay alive, and we just became encouraging buddies. You alive today? <laughs> you doing all right today? You kicking today? You doing good? What's your oxygen? And we just back and forth like a ping pong match, just back and forth, encouraging one another. Why? Because all of a sudden I found myself in a position where I began to feel the effects of what another member was going through. I want to be a I want to be a part of a church that feels what other members feel. And that if one is hurting, one is breaking, one is suffering, I don't want to be so far removed as a hand that I can't feel what's happening to my foot. But he don't stop right there. No, he don't stop right there. He says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member's honored, all the members rejoice with it. Can I tell you about a problem in the church of the 21st century? We got so much competition, and we got so many contests, and we got so much envy, and we got so much jealousy running rampant in the church of God in the 21st century. We, don't, we are so far removed from the victory and the liberty and the freedom and the winds that are happening in the body of Christ oh that God would bring us back to the very center of where we belong that if somebody gets breakthrough if somebody gets blessed if somebody gets a win if somebody makes it to the mountain we don't stand there in envy and jealousy puffed up in our pride wondering why it didn't happen for us wondering why it had to happen to them wish to God we could get back to a place where we say if the foot gets his nail painted then bless God the hands gonna high five we are in competition with each other 
when we should be working to complement one with another. I ought to hope the best for you. I ought to, I ought to, I ought to feel it when you win. It is a big deal to this man right here. When I see somebody who's never even smiled in church before get on their feet and applaud the good name of Jesus, it's a win to this pastor. When I see somebody who struggled their way through addiction, climbed off a potter's house van, and ended up leading worship on this stage, when I see somebody who was as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs when they got here, but God broke them out of the shell and now they're leading a small group. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a win that I feel. I feel that. I feel that. Do you, do you feel that? Are you rooting for each other? Are you trying to outdo each other? Let's see who can stand the altar the longest. First one on my feet. God will walk out of this place and we'll have it to ourselves. I want to be a part of a church that feels the membership. I got to give you the last one. Members fit in the body. Members feel within the body. But you are also destined to be a member that functions within the body. Everybody say function. Can I preach this? Are y'all done? I'm, I'm up here struggling. I'm struggling. I'm trying to breathe. Y'all in here acting like you're a bunch of Pentecostals making me preach. <laughs> New Grace is about the only church I know where Presbyterian people turn Pentecostal. <laughs> I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't have it any other way. Come in here and have a staring contest with each other. Man. Jesus is too good for us to come in here and look like that, act like that. Oh, listen, I just want you to get this. You don't, if, you're, if you're in here and you're, you're a Christian, you're not about to get off the hook. I'm about to put you on the hook. Been asking God all week to give y'all the power to crucify these silly excuses you're coming up with. Well, you know how life is? We're busy. No, you know how hot hell is? You know how good God is? Where's your head? Where's your heart? They're all on the same page, aren't they? You know, you, know, you know how it is? No, I don't. Tell me how it is. I got a Bible that tells me how it is. You got a version? Tell me how it is. See, this is interesting. Paul, Paul like reels everybody in. Hey, you fit? We're going to feel? You're supposed to function. Yeah. Right, he does. He brings it all in. He's got the audience coming in like, oh, okay. And he goes, you're supposed to be doing something. He messes up our idea of American Christianity right here. Look, look what he said. I didn't come up with this. He said, now, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath sent some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, 
governments, which is administration, diversities of tongues. And then he, then, he, then he changes his thought and he says, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Everybody working miracles? Everybody got the gift of healing? Is everybody supposed to be a Peter Popoff? Is, every, is everybody supposed to be speaking with this tongue? Does everybody interpret? And all of a sudden it becomes very, very obvious that all, all the members were intended to have different functions. But in, in, in acknowledging that there is a diversity of function within the church, it occurs to us that there is a designed function for every single part of the church. I wrote this down. Every member is designed to operate with a specific function. Paul is wanting this church to get it. You have a function. You're thinking that it's only for elect people. You're thinking that you have to be what somebody else has. In fact, this church right here is so far removed from what God's wanting them to get. They're, they've gotten caught up in the comparison trap and they've become envious and desirous of one particular gift. And in fact, they become very desirous of the gift of tongues. It's, it's manifested and revealed itself in such an outwardly dynamic, charismatic way. And so they're all convinced, ooh, that's where God's at. That's got God all over. I want that. I want that. And Paul, and Paul spends the next three chapters rearranging their perception of this whole thing. And he's like, you got it backwards. You think that's a big deal? In fact, he puts that at the very back of the line. And he, and he, and he, says, he says, I just want you to understand you have a designed function individual to you. And so God told me to tell you this. He's not looking to bless what you can imitate or pretend. If you're not careful... You'll fit and feel your way into this church and convince yourself that you have to have it like somebody else in order for God to bless what you are and what you can do. We don't need another me. We don't need another you. We need you to be you. If you spend all your time trying to imitate or emulate what you see in somebody else's life, you will spend all of your time pouring yourself into a mold that God never intended for your life. Do you know how freaking special you are? No, I'm serious. Let me take a second. Can we have a conversation? Do you have any idea that before you were in your mother's womb, in the sovereign mind of God, in the grand scheme of eternity, God saw you and he had a plan for you, and God at your first birth gifted you to fit into a certain place. And then at your second birth, he equipped you and enabled you to fulfill what you were born to be. God, that's good preaching if I am doing it. You got born twice. And both times, God ensured that you had everything in the tool bag you needed to be a part of the body of Christ. I, I, Pastor Jake, come help me close. Let's land this plane. I got a question for y'all. You were designed 
to function as a part of God's church. Here's my question. Do you function? Or are you an eye that don't see? An ear that can't hear? A finger that don't point? A nose hair that don't catch? An eyelash that don't bat? A toenail that don't toenail? Do you function? Or is this church, is this church being held back because the parts of the body won't work? Is the body, is the body not able to function because its members refuse to function? Now this ain't, this ain't, this ain't how you book a revival. This ain't how you have people lining up the door to shake your hand. But I love Jesus more than I love y'all, so I got to tell you the truth. I got to tell you the truth. Here's my advice. If you want to function as a member of your church, you say, this ain't my church. Well, I hope you got one that you belong to locally because you're supposed to function there. God designed you to do something there. And you must do that. So here's my advice. You ready? You ready? I'm going to give it to you real quick. Here's my advice. Meet a need at New Grace or be what you needed at New Grace. Meet a need. Meet a need. If a need is made known, meet that need. The fact that there a need existed is a good enough reason to play a part and do something. Meet a need. What need do you meet here? What need? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. What need do you meet here? Or do you just meet us with a need? Do you come to the table to meet a need? Or do you come to the table every time because you got a need? Be what you needed. Be what you needed at New Grace. I wrote this down. Be what you needed in your childhood. You know, you, know why, you know why Nikki Vickery leads our children's ministry at this church? Because when she came here six, seven years ago, she came right when we first started. You know, you know what she did? She decided to be what she needed when she was a kid. Because she spent a large part of her childhood feeling abandoned and isolated and left out. And do you know who loved her to Jesus? a nursery worker in a church. Somebody poured into her as she was a kid. So you know when she came to New Grace, you know what her mentality was? I'm going to be what I needed when I was a kid. And she landed over there loving our children. And now she's leading our children and leading our families to experience new life in Jesus. There was, a, there was a lady here this morning in the 930. Her name is Christy. Christy's first time at New Grace was December. And she literally did it by the book. The way we would love to see someone plug into this church body, she did. Christy joined our welcome team. And last week, there were first-time guests that came. 
Christy, she was being what she needed. As a first-timer, she didn't know anybody. She moved from New Hampshire. Now, I'm not talking about coming over from Nicholson. I'm talking about New Hampshire. Didn't know anybody here. So she said, I'm going to be what I needed. I needed someone to help welcome me into this church body, so I'm going to make sure I'm a part of the team that makes that happen. And she's being what she needs. Let me ask you something. Could it be that what you need is to meet the need that you at one time needed? Maybe your function is attached to what you needed when you got here. Maybe it's what you need right now. Have you ever noticed that God reveals things to you by what you go through? I have a heart for pastors and preachers who burn out and quit the ministry. I have a heart for people who give up because I know what it's like to burn out, quit the ministry, and give up. And I have made it part of my personal mission in the ministry to be what I needed. I want you to understand this. Here's what you need to know. God designed you to function. And he wants you to play a part. It's not enough to be a part. Do your part. Let's do our part. Let's join a group. Let's serve on a team. Let's not be here in attendance only. Let's assemble with function. And let's show God we love his church by taking action and doing our part. Will you stand with me?